Hey, uh, I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. If you are a guest, uh, my name is Blake Hilgenfeld. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are very grateful and thankful that you're here with us. Um, If you are a guest, we have been um, going through a series called Pursue, and we are looking at uh, four identities that shape us or make us uh, to be disciples of Jesus. And so over the past three weeks, we've looked at worshiper, uh, what it, what it uh, means to be a worshiper of Jesus and how uh, the gospel shapes us and makes us to be worshipers and uh, how we are learners. We'll never stop learning about uh, who God is and what he has done. It'll take us eternity to understand the depths of, uh, of who God is. And, uh, and so last week we looked at family, how the gospel uh, saves us as individuals, but it saves us into a family called the church. And so uh, this morning we're going to look at uh, how the gospel uh, saves us, but then it calls us out. It sends us out. Jesus sends us out uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit to be uh, missionaries. We are now sent ones as Jesus was sent. Uh, so are we as disciples of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to kind of focus on this morning is our identity as missionaries. And so I invite you to turn with me to Acts uh, chapter 1, we're going to be starting in verse 3, uh, but before we jump into the text, I want us to pray, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into it. So let's pray. Father, we ask that you would meet us in your word this morning, and that, Father, through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit that you would bring uh, deep conviction and brokenness to our hearts this morning, Father, for the reality of those in this city and among the nations who do not know you. That um, that the, the fact that your name is not known and worshiped as it should be in this city should break our hearts. As we just sang about the desires of our hearts to praise you and that the the city would praise you and that the nations would praise you, Father, that that would be the longing and the cry of our heart to go and proclaim the greatness of your name. So meet us, Father, this morning in your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start off uh, this morning by asking us a question that I want all of us to kind of think about and ponder for a moment. What do you think uh, the greatest need within the church today? What what is the greatest need in the church today? Is it it bigger and better programs inside and outside the church? Uh, Maybe uh, more uh, church uh, events and carnivals that we can throw for the city? Maybe uh, more uh, in-depth Bible studies or theology classes? Or maybe it's uh, bigger and better conferences? Maybe it's uh, bigger uh, budgets and bigger buildings. Maybe we are in need of uh, more skilled communicators or maybe more in-depth preaching of expository teaching. What is it? What is the church in desperate need of today? And let's get a little more personal. What are you in need of? If you are here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, what are you in need of this morning? What are you in need of in order to accomplish uh, the purpose and the mission that God has set for us as followers of Jesus? What we need 
This morning, in every single moment of our life, as we look at God's word, what we need, what the church is in desperate need of today is power. Miraculous power. Supernatural power. Unexplainable power in order to accomplish a supernatural mission. A mission that is so much bigger than church programs. A mission that is so much uh, bigger and more important than, than bigger buildings and budgets. What the church is in desperate need of today is power from on high to come upon us and give us uh, this energy, give us this power in order to accomplish this supernatural mission that Jesus has given to every single one of us if we're followers of Jesus. And that mission is to be his witnesses. That's the mission statement of the church. If you're a follower of Jesus, our mission is to testify to this world about the good news of who God is, the good news that we just sing about, about the character and nature of God and the salvation that he promises to all peoples only in Jesus Christ. And so we as the church, we are in desperate need of this power in order to live out this mission. And we see this at the very, very, very beginning of the church. And it's still true for us today in 2017. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, we see this. You can read along with me. It's going to be on the screen as well. It says this, Jesus, he, Jesus presented himself alive to his disciples after his suffering. So after his resurrection from the dead, he died on a cross, he rose from the dead, and then he presented himself uh, to his disciples by many proofs, appearing to them during a 40-day period of time and speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, they said, Lord, uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. And when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, uh, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So guys, picture what's happening here. This is such an amazing and stunning thing that's happening. The reality and truth is Jesus uh, just rose from the dead, which is miraculous and amazing in itself, isn't it? So he just conquered death. He rose from the dead, and now he is spending time with his disciples. And it tells us that he spent 40 days after his resurrection and before his ascension, he spent 40 days with his disciples. And so picture this. I mean, the disciples uh, just saw Jesus. They saw him die on a cross. And now they, uh, they see him being risen from the dead. And now they're hanging out with him again. They're, they're, they're with him. They were able to touch him. They're able to put their fingers in his scars. They ate with him. And so while Jesus was with them during this 40-day 40 period, 40 period of time, he gave them these final instructions or these 
these, these, these final parting words. So these were the, more or less his last words to his disciples. And so you better believe that these last words are of the utmost importance because he's not going to see them again this side of heaven. He's going to go back to his father, but he's giving these, these last instructions, these last words. And because they are the utmost importance for his disciples uh, back in the beginning of the church, they are still of the utmost importance for us today in 2017. So what did Jesus say? He says, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the father. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you out, and I'm going to send you out to preach the good news of my kingdom. I'm going to send you out to continue to do the, the ministry that I started. But wait. Don't go out in your own strength and effort. Wait in Jerusalem because you need God-given, miraculous, supernatural power to accomplish what I'm sending you out to do. And in a few days, you're going to receive this baptism of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to receive power in order to accomplish the mission that I give you to be my witnesses. So listen, guys. Nothing has changed. The same is true for us today. The same is true for, for at Pentecost when they received the Holy Spirit. And the same is true for us today. If we are Christians, that we have received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come into our lives to empower us, to help us, to demonstrate and declare the kingdom of God. And here's the good news for us this morning. Is that Jesus does not just want us to admire his life from a distance. He doesn't want us just to admire his power from a distance. What he desires for us is to experience his power in life through the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And so listen, this same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and empowered him to live out the mission that the Father sent him on lives and dwells within you and me if you're a Christian. That is amazing stuff. But listen, um, I feel like in many ways the church has settled. That we have settled to admire Jesus' life and his power from a distance. And I'm not really too sure why. I think maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable and we're, there's, there's fear there. And so we kind of keep Jesus at this distance. But I feel like we have in many ways settled for a powerless life. And we've stopped hungering for more of his power to work in and through us to make much of Jesus in this city where, guys, 85% of the population in Cleveland County are not in church. 85%. And so have we settled, have we stopped dreaming of the miraculous ways that God could use us in our workplaces and on campus, as stay-at-home moms, in our, in our neighborhoods, how he can use us to bring others to himself in all areas of life? I mean, have, have we settled for a Christian life that, looks, that in many ways looks nothing like the lives of those that we read about in the book of Acts? I don't know about you, but I'm here to confess that um, I have settled and I make a ton of excuses. I have bought into this lie that the people that I have been praying for for years, the people that I love deeply, the people who I long to, 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 to come to know the salvation that's found in Christ, I have bought this lie that they won't come to Christ. Christ. 
I have, I, have, I have believed this lie that the truth of God's word is actually weak and it's powerless to give sight to the spiritually blind and to raise to death to give life to those who are spiritually dead. There is a part of me that believes that it's weak to do that. That if I tell someone the truth of the gospel, they're simply not going to believe. They're going to reject it. So I shut my mouth. And I have settled for a comfortable life, believing that God does not desire to use me like he desires to use other people to accomplish his purposes. That for some reason that, you know, like he just doesn't choose to use me, that he doesn't desire to use me, that he desires to use other people. But guys, listen, I'm tired of my excuses. And I'm here to confess that, listen, like, I'm tired of, of, of believing the lie that the power we need to save has somewhat left us. But according to God's word, guys, this isn't true. It's not true. And what we need to see this morning is to turn from our unbelief and to turn from our excuses and turn from, uh, from our comfortable lives and hear and, and, and believe and see that we've actually received power because the Holy Spirit has come. There is still power today to save, guys. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has come. He is here. We have power because the Holy Spirit has come to give sight to the spiritually blind. He does this. We have power because the Holy Spirit has come to raise the dead to life. We have power because the Holy Spirit has come to draw peoples, all peoples of the world, to the risen and resurrected Savior Jesus Christ. And God still desires to use Providence Road and to use us, to use the church and the city to do miraculous things to draw people to himself. Nothing has changed, guys. He still desires to use stay-at-home moms and students and businessmen and women to bring people out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Do you believe this? Do you believe that there's still power today to see miraculous things done on campus where multitudes are saved? Yeah. You believe that? You believe that he will use you wherever you go and in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, even as stay-at-home moms at the park, wherever you go, that he desires to use you to be his witness, to declare the kingdom of God and to bring people to himself, that he has the power to do that through you today. Do you believe that? We have power. Power is with us today. Why? Because we have received the Holy Spirit and he lives and dwells within us. And he empowers us, guys, for a mission. Now, what is that mission? Look at verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they were, and then Judea, which is the, the kind of the region, the Samaria, the extended area unto the ends of the earth, uh, being Gentiles or all peoples, tongues, tribes, you and me, okay? So, it's this kind of centric circle where it's to go out. It's starting in Jerusalem and it's supposed to go out to all uh, peoples of the earth. And so the disciples received the Holy Spirit to empower them to be Jesus' witnesses. Now, the word witness in uh, kind of the general uh, broader sense, it, it just simply means this. It's, it's someone who saw or experienced something. All right, so the disciples experienced Jesus' ministry and his life 
and his resurrection and his ascension. So as we read this testimony, they are eyewitnesses. The early church, they saw Jesus and they walked with Jesus and they they, uh, they, they saw his ministry. They saw everything about him. And because of this, they were to testify to this world about what God has accomplished in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so they were to take this message of hope and salvation in Christ and they were to take it to all peoples of the world and the power to do this, the boldness to do this, comes to the Holy Spirit and the same is true for you and me today. So listen, for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who are disciples of Jesus, we too have received the Holy Spirit to go and to testify to this world, to to people in our neighborhoods, our workplaces, and our families of what Jesus has done in our lives. That is your purpose in life. That's your calling. That's the the, the mission that God invites us on. If you are a Christian, you are now a missionary wherever you go. And it doesn't have to be uh, to a foreign land, though he may call some of us to go. And I pray that he will continue to, to raise people up within this church to go to the unreached places of the world who have never heard the gospel that we are hearing this morning. But wherever you go, we go now as missionary to testify to what Jesus has done and who he is. So listen carefully. What this means is, is that the mission of the church is not social justice. The mission of the church is not just to pull off a great Sunday gathering. Our mission as the church uh, is not to, uh, to, to preach the gospel with our actions and, if necessary, use words. Our mission is to speak and to proclaim and declare the testimony of who Jesus is and what he has done with boldness. It's a declaration. It's a matter of opening our mouths and declaring and proclaiming the good news of salvation and hope that's found in Jesus. And we see this more clearly in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, which says this, that through Christ, God has reconciled us to himself. So if you are a Christian, it is through Christ that God has reconciled you to himself, but now he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Now stop here and think about this. Think about how significant this is. That the God of all creation, the one who has created all things, the one who created you, the one who created me, the one who has been in existence before time began, and the one who will always exist, eternally exist, and and reign over the new heavens and the new earth, he, the God of all creation, has given to us, to you and me, His message to proclaim. Think about that. That he has entrusted to you and to me this message of reconciliation where God uses you and me and he uses us to proclaim this message and through us, God is calling the world back to himself saying, be reconciled to me. Be reconciled to me. We are his ambassadors. We are his instrument. We are his, actually his mouthpiece that he uses to draw people back to himself. 
How amazing is that? How significant is that? So listen, do we care as the church about meeting social needs? Absolutely. Do we fight and pursue and care about racial reconciliation? You better believe it. Do we help and care for the widow and the orphan? Yes. Do we help those who have lost everything due to hurricanes? Absolutely. But guys, we have the message to proclaim. The message of reconciliation. And there is no one else that God has entrusted this to. No one else. No other organization. No other people group. He has entrusted this message to the church. And so what this means is, listen very carefully. If you checked out, you got to check back in. What this means is, is that the church is the hope for the world. Why? Because we are the ones who have the message of hope of salvation in Jesus. It's only us, guys. It's only us. And so what this means for your life is, is that you are the hope for those in your workplace. Think about those in your workplace who don't know Jesus. How are they going to hear? You. You are the hope for the campus. How is, that, how is the campus going to hear about how they can be reconciled to this amazing God? Students, you. You're the hope for the campus. You're the hope for your neighborhood. You're the hope for your family who doesn't know Jesus. Guys, as a result of this, can you think of anything greater to give your life to? Can can you think of anything greater to wake up to than to join Jesus in, in, in this mission of reconciling the world back to himself? There's nothing greater. There's nothing more significant. There is nothing more important than to join Jesus on this ministry and this message of reconciliation and be used by the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within you to empower you to go and proclaim the truth of the gospel. This is who we are. This is the church. We are now missionaries. Now, what does this look like? What does this look like as you leave this place? What does it look like when you wake up tomorrow morning um, and as, as you go throughout the day? How do we actually pursue the power of the Holy Spirit? How does that work out in our, in our life? I want, I want to give you a few ways. The first is this. We pursue the power of the Holy Spirit through God's Word because the power to save the power to reconcile, the power to give spiritual uh, sight, the, the power to raise spiritual dead people to life comes through the Word and the Spirit working together in our hearts and the hearts of those who don't know Jesus. So let, let, let me explain. First Peter 2.9 says this, talking to the church, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. What's the purpose? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So here's how, here's how the power of the word and spirit work together. As we read about the excellencies of Jesus and his word, the Holy Spirit begins to give us eyes to see. So, so there's power in the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to see and the, the excellencies of Jesus. And as we see the excellencies of Jesus, our worship of him increases and then it empowers us to go and make worshipers of Jesus. Because the truth is this, guys, and listen carefully. When you find a person who is passionate 
about the excellencies of Jesus, you're going to find a person who's passionate about proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. But the opposite is true, too. If your heart is cold and indifferent towards the excellencies of Jesus, then you're going to find a person who is indifferent and cold about declaring the excellencies of Jesus. So guys, this is why we point ourselves back to the excellencies of Jesus every time we gather together. That's why we sing about the excellencies of Jesus. That's why we proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. That's why we take the Lord's Supper to be reminded of His excellencies, of how He purchased us and saved us so that it causes us to worship Him and empowers us to go and proclaim His excellencies. And as we proclaim His excellencies to those around us, then the Holy Spirit comes and gives sight to the spiritually blind, convicts hearts, and draws people to Jesus through proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. So let me give you an example of this. I've shared this story in the past, but I'll share it again. Uh, One summer, as a college student, I spent um, some time in China. Now, when I got to China, uh, it was essentially like the, the second day I was there, I met this guy named John, who guys who had never heard about Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine never, ever hearing about the hope of salvation that's found in Christ and Christ alone. So I gave John a copy of the New Testament. And so he spent about a week reading uh, the New Testament. And so we met back up and I was able to kind of explain and go more in depth about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so after our conversation, John says to me, he says, Blake, he says, I believe what you say about Jesus and what the New Testament says about Jesus. And I know that I need him. I know that he is my only hope of salvation and I need to follow him. But as John said that, I found myself um, trying to explain again what I just told him about Jesus because I was like, surely it's not this easy. Surely it's not this simple. I mean, as I was telling him, I was also thinking like, wow, this is it? Like, in order to be saved and reconciled to God, all I need to do is, 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 is trust in the, in the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus that he accomplished everything uh, for, for, for John and myself to be saved? And the answer is yes. It's that simple. That simply faith connects us to Jesus and now we have everything that we need to be saved. And so, but, but John uh, stopped me halfway through, through me trying to explain it again. He said, Blake, listen, man, I, I believe. I, I believe that I have sinned against God. And I know that I deserve to be separated from this holy and righteous God that sin cannot enter into his, into his presence. And I know that Jesus is without sin. And upon the cross, he took my sin upon himself and he took the punishment that I rightly deserve and that Jesus is the only way to be reconciled to God. And I believe he was raised from the dead. And I believe that if I confess faith in him, he'll come and live and dwell within me and he will reconcile me back to him. And I confessed my my need for him and I believe that he has saved me. Guys, how did this happen? How was John able to to see and believe? How was John brought out of the the, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? It's through the power of the word and spirit. The word and spirit working together to convict John of sin and to open his eyes to the excellencies of who Jesus is, that he is this precious, irresistible savior. And John saw that And he ran to Jesus 
and he was brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Guys, think about those in your life who you've been praying for for years. Those in your life who you maybe have been able to declare the excellencies of Jesus. And maybe you find yourself this morning saying, you know what, I just don't think they'll believe. Or maybe you have some coworkers who you're afraid to share because they, because they won't believe. Listen, there is power, guys. There is power in the word and spirit. What saved you? What brought you to Christ? It is through hearing the testimony of Jesus. And as you heard the testimony of Jesus, you were convicted of your sin and you saw Jesus is irresistible and you ran to him. You didn't do that. God did that. How? Word and spirit working in your life to bring you to salvation and reconcile you to him. There is power in the word and spirit. And there's also power, guys, in the way in which we love one another. 1 John 4.12 says this, No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us so that the world will see uh, that there is this kind of existence of God. Sorry about that. The existence, existence of God by the way in which we love one another. And, and Jesus says in John 13 that a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I loved you, you also love one another. By this, by the way in which you love one another, all people will know that you are my disciples. By the way in which you love one another. So there is power, guys, in the way in which we love one another. And so what this means is, listen closely, what this means is, is that we are then to live our lives in such a way to make the audible gospel visible. So let me say that again. There is power in the way in which we live our lives in such a way that makes the audible gospel visible so that through our lives, we are to demonstrate who Jesus is, what he's like, what the kingdom of God is like, what it looks like. And by doing so, we will be able to give a gospel explanation. So let me give you an illustration of this. In his book, um, saturate, which I highly recommend. I think there's some um, on the wall over there. Uh, Jeff Vanderstelt, who is the author of this book, he tells uh, of the story of one of their missional communities uh, throwing a birthday party for one of their kids or for kids in their neighborhood. So this missional community lived in this neighborhood made up of a lot of uh, moms with single kids and they weren't, uh, uh, they had to work two or three jobs to kind of make ends meet and and so they weren't able to really throw uh, parties for the kids in the neighborhood. So this missional community guys decided to throw a birthday party for every kid in the neighborhood that year. And so um, there was, he tells the story of one party that he went to and uh, uh Mitchell Community came, invited the neighborhood for this one kid, and uh, they had a, a birthday cake, and they had some presents. And this little boy asked his mom, he said, Mom, what's that? What's that cake for? And she said, well, it, it's, it's for you. And he said, what are those presents for? And they said, she said, well, they're for you. Never had a party like that before. And so they watched this boy eat cake in open presence. And afterwards, the missional community uh, began to speak words of encouragement and love and truth over this little boy. And as, as Jeff was at this party and he was kind of observing and witnessing everything that, that was taking place, he saw the, the mom in the corner and she just was weeping. Tears streaming down her face because she was seeing the gospel lived out. 
This missional community was proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus with their lives. They, they were demonstrating the gospel in their actions and they were able to give uh, a, a gospel explanation by the way in which they lived when, they, when the mom said, why, why are you doing this? Doesn't make any sense. It's because of the way in which the Father has pursued us, the way in which the Father loves us, the way in which the Father cares for us through Jesus. We are living that out. We are to live our lives to make the, the audible gospel visible. There's power in that, guys. There's power in the way in which we open our lives up to those around us and invite them into our community. There is power when we open up our lives as a missional community and not shut ourselves off from those around us and kind of bunker down and hide from other people because it's comfortable. There is power when we bring people into the life of our community and they're able to see uh, us respond in grace and love and radical generosity to those around us. There is power in that because people see the gospel demonstrated and then we're able to proclaim the gospel with our lips. That's how we are to live our lives in such a way to make the audible gospel visible. There's power in that. There's power in which, in the word and spirit, there's power in the way in which we love one another. And there's power when we live, guys, with gospel intentionality. Be intentional. I don't know if you're like, if this is like you, but for me, one of my biggest excuses for mission is time. I'm just too busy. Too busy with work. Uh, too busy with raising kids, too busy with soccer games, too busy with school, whatever it may be. Listen, mission isn't something that we add to our life, guys. It's not something we add to our life. We are just intentional with our time. We are intentional with our schedule, and we call this gospel intentionality. You just don't throw mission in on a Wednesday night at your missional community. Mission is all of life. And so now we just take our time and we take our schedule and we are just now intentional with that. You eat? You eat right? Not right, like healthy, but you eat, right? <laughs> you have lunch? Be intentional with that lunch. Bring someone into that lunch who may not know Jesus. Invite someone into your home. Listen, sharing a kitchen table with your neighbor is one of the best ways to love and serve your neighbor because as you share that table, you're able to now hear their story. And as you hear their story, you're able to hear areas of brokenness to where you actually can speak uh, the gospel into their lives. Or maybe you hear areas that you can demonstrate the gospel by serving them. So use your kitchen table, use your home, invite people into that. Your kids play sport? Well, great news. Now you've got a bunch of families on the soccer team that you can be intentional with. Kids have birthday parties? You got birthday parties? Be intentional inviting people into those birthday parties. I just went to a birthday party this weekend where uh, dads and sons, we got together for a birthday party. And uh, there was this one dad and son who we have been spending time praying uh, as a community, missional community, we've been praying for him and his son, his wife. And, and so we invited him to this birthday party. And we were now intentional with that time to develop and deepen that relationship with him. But guys, we turned a simple birthday party into an opportunity to in introduce this dad to the one who came to save. 
We, we turned a, a simple birthday party for a young boy into an opportunity to proclaim the gospel with our lips and lives in hopes that he will be brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light through us being intentional with our time and our schedule. Don't add it to your life. Just redeem the schedule, redeem your calendars, redeem your life. Mission isn't something you add to it. You're just intentional. And there's power in the way in which we live our lives with gospel intentionality. And the last is this, and I'll close with this. There is power when we take steps of faith to obey the Spirit. Listen, when the disciples received the Holy Spirit, they were moved to action. They just didn't stay in the upper room in Jerusalem. They left. And when they left, they took risks. They put themselves in uncomfortable situations where they needed the help of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, as they declared and demonstrate the kingdom of God. And a lot of them lost their lives. But listen, how did you come to hear the gospel? It was through their faithfulness. It was through the faithfulness of the disciples of Jesus who went into this world and they proclaimed the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. We are the ends of the earth. We are the Gentiles. Aren't you thankful that they did not keep quiet? If they would have shut their mouths and they didn't take risk and they weren't bold, who knows where we would be? Listen, mission is not easy. I mean, as, as I was preparing for this, and every time we talk about mission, there's this kind of part of me that's just like, oh, here we go again. We've got to talk about mission. There's risks. It's uncomfortable. It messes with our com- love of comfort, our, 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 our idol of comfort more than anything else. It messes with our approval. We love some approval, right? Like, it messes with that big time. There are risks. You're going to have to risk your reputation. You're going to look foolish. Some of you may even lose jobs as a result of proclaiming the gospel with your lips and your lives. And some, maybe you may call to, 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 to foreign lands, to places that, that have never heard the gospel, and you may, you, you, you may lose your life. But listen very carefully. As we leave this place, there are people outside these walls who we come in contact, people we love, people we may not really know, but we come in contact with them, who are currently tasting the darkness of evil. They are hurting, they are alone, and they are enslaved, and they are in desperate need of being reconciled back to God. You know, we celebrate Romans 8.1, which says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The reality is, for those who are not in Christ Jesus, there is still condemnation. Let that kind of sit on us for a second. We have the message. We have the message. And how are they going to hear? How are they going to hear? It's by the church rising up and being bold and proclaiming the gospel with our lips and our lives. So guys, listen. May this generation in this city and the generations to come 
and the generations after that, and the generations after that, and the generations after that say the same thing about us. I am so thankful they did not keep quiet. I'm so thankful that they took risks. I'm so thankful that they risked their reputation. I'm so thankful that they, were, they risked being foolish. I'm, I'm thankful they risked losing their jobs because it was through their testimony about Jesus that we heard the good news of salvation and we are reconciled to God that we may say today that there is no condemnation for me, for, for, for those in Christ, because they have proclaimed it. May that be true of us, guys. May that be true of Providence Road. May that be true of, this, uh, of the church in this city that we may rise up and be bold because we have the power to do that because we've received the Holy Spirit. As we go, guys, we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is with us. He won't forsake us. He'll never leave us. There's power in the word and spirit. There's power in the way in which we love each other. There's power in being uh, intentional with the gospel. And there's power when we take risks, guys, to go and proclaim the gospel. Will we go? Will we go? Yes? Yes? Is it going to be hard? Yes? Are you going to look foolish? Yes? But what's the consequences, guys, of us not going? What's the consequences? What's the consequences of us being silent? You have a city who's in desperate need of hearing this message. We are their hope. We are the hope for this city. So let us go together and proclaim and testify to how amazing our God is and the salvation that he offers all to call, who calls upon his name. Amen? Let's pray. I want to do something uh, that we've done before um, a couple times. And I know this is going to be kind of uh, uncomfortable for some of us, but um, it's, okay, it's okay. We can be uncomfortable. Um, I, I want us to spend uh, time as a community, as a church, praying for ourselves and for this city. Um, if you're a, not a Christian in here this morning, I, I hope that you have heard that... Um, that there is, there is a power out there that is so much bigger and better than anything else that you can find in anything this world offers. There is a relationship that is there for you that you are made for and created for, and that relationship is with your creator. Um, but we are going to spend some time praying to our Father, to, to God, um, because we need his help. We are um, broken people and we are in desperate need of power uh, to go and proclaim the gospel with our lips and lives in this city. And, um, and so if you're here and you're not a Christian, and um, I, I just invite you to, to listen and, and, um, and participate by, by listening to the prayers of, of, of the church, uh, crying out to a God that's alive and real and, um, and is, is there to, to help and empower us to go and to, and to proclaim the message that you heard this morning. Um, but for, for us as the church, listen, this is what I want us to do. Um, we're going to spend some time praying, and I want you to pray um, individually. But listen, if you feel led to pray audibly, I want you to pray audibly. And I want you to be bold in proclaiming audibly um, our need for God to, to empower us uh, for, for mission for this city. I want you to pray for this city. I want you to pray that, that there be awakening in this city. I want you, I want, I want you to pray there be awakening on campus. 
But I also wanted to, to pray for ourselves that the Holy Spirit would empower us to go and that we would be bold in proclaiming the message. So that's what I want us to do. If you feel led by the Holy Spirit to pray, man, I want you to pray boldly. I want you to pray loud. And I want you to, to proclaim the, 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 the news that you heard this morning. Can we do that? Can we pray together? Can we be uncomfortable? If we can't be uncomfortable in here, I don't, I mean, it's going to be pretty challenging out there. So let's be uncomfortable and let's pray because we need help. We need the God of all creation to move in this city like he's never moved before. So let's ask him. Let's ask our father. So let's pray. I'll close our time and then we'll have the Lord's Supper. So let's spend some time praying and be bold and pray out loud. The night that uh, Jesus was going to the cross, or before he went to the cross, he was meeting with his disciples, his closest followers, his friends, and they shared one last meal together. And so as they were eating, he takes a loaf of bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body, which is going to be broken for you. And then he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood that's going to be shed for the forgiveness of sin. Listen, as we take the Lord's Supper this morning, let us be reminded, as we look at the bread, as we look at the juice, of what the God of all creation has done to bring us back to Himself, to reconcile us to Him. That this reconciliation has come through the death of the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That God the Father sent His Son on this mission to redeem a people for Himself. And upon the cross, Jesus took our sin upon Himself and His body was broken and His blood was shed so that God could be perfectly just in forgiving us of all of our sin and reconciling us back to Himself. And that is the good news. That is the gospel. That through the person and work of Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven and washed away by His blood, never to be counted against us again, that we may actually now come into the presence of a holy and righteous God and enjoy Him now and forever. So listen, if you are trusting in Christ this morning, if you're looking to Him to be your only hope of salvation, if like John, my buddy John, that you see your need for Him and you've called upon His name and you're trusting in Him as your only hope of salvation and your only hope in this life and the life to come, then when you're ready, I want you to come and I want you to celebrate what God has done for you to reconcile you back to Himself. He went to the greatest of links to purchase you and to bring you into His family. And I also want you to spend some time reflecting on those in your life who need to hear this message. And maybe spend some time praying for them. And maybe spend some time confessing the Father. Listen, I, I know that I should, I, I should share uh, your excellencies with Him. Help me to, to, to see your excellencies, which empowers me to go and proclaim your excellencies. So spend some time doing that with the Father. Now listen, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you don't consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, then let me just say this. There is a God who deeply, deeply loves His creation. And your relationship with Him is broken. And you are separated from Him as a result of your sin. And actually what you deserve, as my buddy John proclaimed, you deserve actually to be separated from Him. You deserve to be punished for your sin because you have rebelled against Him and no sin can come in the presence of a holy, righteous God. 
But for some crazy reason, God sent His one only Son who knew no sin to become sin for sinners like you and me. To take sin upon Himself upon the cross and die as a substitute so you can escape that death and that you can actually be reconciled to God. So listen, if that is you, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He is your only hope of salvation. He's it. There's only one way to be reconciled back to God, and it's through the person of Jesus Christ. So I invite you. God is actually, through me, calling you to himself through me. Be reconciled. Be reconciled to him through faith in Jesus Christ. Come. And if you come and you put your faith and trust in him, I want you to come and I want you to celebrate by taking the Lord's Supper. But that's not you. I just invite you to stay where you're at. This is for followers of Jesus. This is for disciples of Jesus. This is for those who are trusting Christ for their only hope of salvation. So if that's not you, just stay where you're at and continue to reflect on what you heard this morning. But if you are in Christ, then I want you to come and I want you to celebrate by taking the Lord's Supper. There's two uh, stations up here and there's one in the back when you're ready. Come on.